Santiago Amigos and welcome to episode 21 of the Old Man and CV podcast. Today we are joined by Tim Smith. Tim has been in the music industry for 35 years, started off as a DJ, ended up on Capital Radio and then moved across into the publishing um, side of the music business and has managed a few very well-known um, artists during his time. So today we are joined from a different perspective on ageism and learning new technology from an industry which has young and old working together in proper multi-generational style where they are learning from each other. So let's get on with episode 21. Tim, thank you for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. Nice to see you. Excellent. So you've had a very varied career working for big companies, independent companies, your own companies. Um, you probably work with quite a few well-known faces as well. But can you just tell us a few few of your career highlights um, to let our listeners know a little bit more about you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I've been very lucky in a way because I've had two careers. First of all, the career I had as a, as a radio presenter um so the kind of career highlight for me there was probably ending up working on capital radio in london which is a station that i grew up listening to and always wanted to work on so that was that was probably the career highlight in sort of part one of my career and then transitioning into the music business um it's that's a really tough one to answer because obviously you know you work with a lot of great artists and the highlights are always when you take an unsigned act and you see them go on to be successful um, every one of those is a career highlight because you you know you never know for sure what, you know if you sign you know a new artist what their career is going to take but um, yeah I mean look it's it's you know it's great you know I signed a very young Swedish writer called Max Martin you know who probably now recognised as one of the if not the most successful songwriter in the world you know who, who back in the kind of mid nineties you know we we did a deal with him and he wrote Hit Me Baby One More Time for Britney Spears. Um, you know, I was I was in the studio in Stockholm when Britney recorded that song uh, as, a, as a kind of a last minute. She'd been there for a week recording because um, she was signed to the record label that we owned and they didn't have a hit. Her car was waiting outside to take her to the airport. Uh, Max had to record something because the boss in New York was desperate to uh, to hear something. And he tried everything. He had this song left over that everybody had wanted. He pitched it to TLC. Um, Simon Cowell wanted it for a boy band called Five. And literally, she was leaving the studio. He said, just before you go, stick a vocal on this. She went into the vocal booth. She, she sung Hit Me Baby one more time, pretty much one take. Got in the car, drove off to the airport. Um, we literally, at the time, you, know, you didn't have things like MP3s. I think we played it down the phone to the guy in New York who went, that's a smash. She got off the plane in New York. Uh, you know, eight hours later, and they told her to turn around and get back on the plane and come back to Sweden and, uh, and finish it off. Um, so, you know, being there when something like that happens and that song going on to, you know, to, to be a, you know, the song that it became, that's probably a pretty good career highlight for me. <laughs> that's a fantastic story. I really, really like that. You mentioned MP3 there and technology. Obviously, technology has changed a lot during your 25 years. And I should imagine even from, as you say, in the first part of your career, being a DJ and 
probably in your bedroom originally, you know, with a couple of turntables, practicing being on the radio because yeah. that's what you wanted to do. And then going on and having, um, you know, at the time, a mobile discotheque, um, going around and sort of doing all the parties and things. And then getting into the music business um, on the label side early on, the technology from that point to this point now has changed dramatically and the platforms have changed for distribution as well. So how has technology kind of affected the way that you work? I mean, yeah, I mean, when, when I mean, it's probably close to 35 years, not 25 years, by the way. I, this is where you're supposed to say you don't look that old, Tim, but it's it's the truth. Well, that's um, what 25 years, because no one's going <laughs> to see this. They're just listening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I suppose, you know, when when, when I started uh, on the kind of artist management and publishing side, yeah, you know, we were, we would record, you know, have recordable CDs that you would record um you know music onto and and that's what you would use to kind of pitch um to people um then that tape came in and you know that kind of took over a little bit you know you used to put your masters onto onto that onto a physical thing and then mini disc kind of had a little bit of a moment where it kind of we were trying to use mini disc and but it didn't really happen but at the time obviously you're still selling cds uh not so much vinyl in those days but still cds um, you just mentioned Britney Spears. You know, we would we would do a first week sales, worldwide sales, where she'd shift five million units in a week of CDs. Um, no one would do that nowadays. You know, they haven't done that for years. Um, obviously, then you know, the MP3 came along, and you know, I, I remember having conversations with you know record company execs, chairmen of labels at the time, going, "Ah, this will never take off. We don't we don't need to worry about this." And and they didn't, and that's how the whole Napster and pirate thing became big, and it and it kind of caught the music industry with its pants down, and the industry had to play catch up, um, and and then you know the likes of the you know Spotify and Apple, Apple came along first, and then Spotify, again a lot of the industry that was you know run by you know dare we say older you know people that didn't quite. You know, weren't quite in touch with what the you know what the kids were doing. Didn't really kind of take it that seriously. Um, and at the time, I think unfortunately that's why a lot of the the licensing deals that that were done by the the digital and DSPs, you know, you know, weren't weren't great in favour of the record industry and, and and more more so the music publishing industry because I don't think anybody took them that seriously. Thought it would be a bit of a flash in the pan. Um, and we're still playing catch up now in terms of in terms of that. But but you know what streaming has done, I suppose, is is uh, two things. It's, it, it rejuvenated the industry in terms of back catalogue and, and made music more accessible to everybody. Um, but it actually kind of the, the, the reverse happened that the, what the labels expected is it, it gave the artist back the power because it meant that an artist could release music without the need to go to a record company. They didn't have to sign away their rights or their life forever you know, to a label in order to get their music to market. They could go and do that directly through the various companies that set up in digital distribution companies and they could release their music and they could have success and they could be streaming in the millions and making all the money. So in that respect, it put the power back in the hands of the artists and not the labels to the point now where, you know, you don't necessarily need a record company. If you're a certain type of artist, you can do it yourself. Um, the biggest challenge we have at the moment, of course, is AI and, and how that's going to affect the music industry. 
And, you know, for someone that's been doing this long enough, I can see the same kind of attitudes from people going, oh, well, you know, it's just a flash in the pan. No, it's not. You know, it's it's something that we've got to take seriously. And when, you know, the recent thing as an artist called Drake, you know, when when an artist, you know, who's the biggest, probably one of the biggest streaming artists in the world, when, you know, when a song that sounds exactly like him is released and, and streams in the millions within 24 hours, and he goes, hang on a minute, that's not me. It's an AI, you know, version of him. Stop it, take it. That's the problem, because how do you control the copyright? How do you police this? How do you know who owns what? So that's a big challenge at the moment to the music industry. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I think there's going to be a you know a lot of trial and error and, and, and some mistakes made until we kind of work that bit out. But yeah, you just have to adapt, you change. How do I keep in touch with it? It's like any industry, whatever you're, you know, whatever industry you're in, you have to, you have to keep in touch. You have to know what's going on. If you're not, you get left behind. It's as simple as that. Yeah, there's a big legal debate going on, isn't there, about AI uh, and artists because the copyright is the fact that it is artists generated. But what's the definition of artists generated if someone is actually putting something into AI? Surely they are an artist by creating something through AI. So that's that, that, look, that's a minefield that we don't probably want to get into, but. I was going to ask you whether it is a gradual acceptance of new technology or a, or a sudden, oh, what are we going to do about this? But it sounds like it, it was almost a mixture of both. And you, you still say there are a number of people who are, in the same way they didn't view streaming as an immediate threat, but are now perhaps not recognising AI as the next threat. Do you think AI is the next big technology thing, or do you think there's something just around the corner that's going to sort of shape the world? I think at the moment, from a music industry perspective, it's definitely AI, and, and I think the industry are, are, are coping better with it. Lucian Grange, who's the you know the, the guy that runs Universal, um, you know, he certainly has seemed to seems to have sort of stepped up very early on in this process and, and sort of said, no, you know, we're not going to we're not going to stand for this. Um, he's also done the same recently with streaming in, in, in terms of thinking that there should be a new streaming model, um, you know, payment structure. So, yeah, he's, he's quite forward thinking and they are the biggest music company in the world. So if they're doing that first, others will will, will follow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the lesson was learned a little bit with streaming, but but I think there are still people that kind of and, and it's it, to be honest, it's probably because they don't understand it, you know, that they that they kind of push it to one side because it's easier to ignore it than it is to try and understand it in, in some cases um i certainly don't understand it you know i don't I, you know i don't I, I i try and i do everything i can to understand it but i couldn't sit here now and tell you that i have a complete handle on 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 ai and what it means and how it works i've, I've got no idea but i know it's important and i know it's relevant so therefore i have to learn i have to subscribe to the various newsletters and you know that, that, that explain it and do it and read about it and do the research because otherwise you get left behind um but i'm not afraid to put my hand up and go I don't really understand this um it's never stopped me in the past <laughs> but do you think there's a certain sort of dichotomy between the the music business is seen as a young person's industry you referenced earlier largely still run by older people artists you you tend to view as as young and breaking through but then you've obviously got very successful artists you know like paul mccartney mick jagger elton john who are obviously you know moving on in years um where's where's the kind of where's the balance 
Yeah, I mean, I think, look, if, if, if Paul McCartney was to appear tomorrow morning as a new artist at you know, his age and go, I've spent you know my life as a geography teacher and I've retired and I've written this song called Yesterday and I want to release it, would it would it be a hit? No, it, it wouldn't. I don't think you know it wouldn't wouldn't change the song. The song's still probably one of the best songs ever written. Would it? Would he have a hit with it? No. The next question is what's what's a hit? You know, the, the, what's a hit record in terms of the way that you and I used to refer to a hit record? As in, you know, it would be in the charts and we'd hear it on the chart show on a Sunday night or whatever. Hits don't exist like that anymore. Hits are. You know, is it is it big on TikTok? You know, what's the streaming numbers? How many views on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera? And 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 that is sadly a young person's game because you know it it it's it's like you know it's it's like your nan used to say, oh, how does you know how does Andy or Tim how do they know how to use the remote control on the TV? They just come in and they can program it straight away. They can record Coronation Street for me. I don't know how to do that. It's the same thing. It's 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 like you know the kids of today. You know, are, are grown up with with a with an ability to just understand technology. You know, because they're born with a phone in their hand, pretty much. You know, and 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 they understand it. So, again, for for the older demographic, we have to learn that. I have to learn about TikTok. It's not natural to me. It's the most important marketing tool in the music industry. I have to really learn about it. Thankfully, you know. I've got kids, you know, and, and, you know, you can learn a lot from listening to your kids and, and, how, you know, and, and they tell you about it, but again, it's not natural. And I think that, you know, there, I suppose I'm contradicting myself slightly because, because of what I said earlier on, because the power is back in the artist, certainly Paul McCartney could release that song himself without the need to go knocking on a record company's door. Would he be able to have a hit with it? Probably not because he wouldn't be able to get, you know, the radio play, or well, actually he probably would get the radio play, but the radio play is not enough anymore as it used to be. It's all the other stuff that you have to do, which artists of a certain age maybe don't quite understand. Now, if Paul McCartney was clever and released that song tomorrow and had a 21-year-old manager that, you know, that, that understood the industry, he might have a chance, you know, and was prepared to, you know, play the TikTok game and do all the stuff that he had to do. But would you... 80 years old, you know, who knows, you know. Well, that, to be well that actually resonates on a on a theme that has been woven into the various podcasts about actually it's it's not about 50-plus workers or 80-plus artists and younger workers. It's actually about multi-generational and people working together, whereas younger people learning from experience and the knowledge that the older people have, but equally the the older people learning from the new skills, the new technologies that that are inherent uh, in a in a younger person's um, skill set. Um, I was got, it, it kind of sums up, I guess, the the music industry and the fact that twenty five years ago, I guess a record label would say, "Hey, Miss Potential Artist, I can get you onto Top of the Pops," whereas now someone's saying, "I can get you five million views on TikTok." That's kind of it. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, record companies are important if you're a certain type of artist, I think, you know, and, and I think that, you know, in the past when I've worked with pure pop artists as a manager, you use the record company for one thing and that's, that's to, that's to create a brand, you know, um, and, you know, that's all you want the label to do. You want the label to spend as much money as you as, as you can get them to spend, knowing full well that you're probably never going to see any income from that record company. 
But if you can create a brand with that artist and that brand can become the biggest in the world, then all the spin-off deals that come from that, whether it be touring, merchandise, branding deals, advertising deals, that's where you make your money. And early on, you know, the record companies weren't, again, weren't quite wise to that. Then they got wise to it. Then this whole talk of at the time was, you know, 360 deals. So you're not just signing a record deal, but you actually you have to sign this deal with a label and, and, and you have to give them a share of your merch and your live and this, that and the other. And um, and it was like, well, why? You know, what 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 knowledge, what expertise does does a record company have in in terms of touring? If you've got some knowledge, if you've got some expertise and you can help me, I'll give you a piece back. But if you haven't, why should I give you a bit of it? So they got wise to that quite quickly and kind of changed that around. Um yeah. So what would you say would be as someone with so much experience in your industry, 35 years, forgot to mention the uh, the DJing at the start or the presenting at the start, what lessons do you think our listeners could take away from your podcast today about experience and knowledge? I think it's two things. I mean, I think I think you know, experience is is everything, isn't it? Really, and and you know, I know when I was you know I was used to run big companies, I was looking to employ sort of people, you know, employ young kids who you know as an A and R job. If, if they were right, if they wrote to me and said, you know, I love music and and uh, it's my world and and you know, it's everything. It means everything to me, and I'd love to work in you know in the music industry, but I'm currently working in Tesco's. I'd kind of go, hmm, okay. If the same person wrote me a letter and went, I love music, everything about it, and I'm I currently work, you know, you know, one day a week in HMV when I can, and and I help out at a nightclub a couple of nights or, or a live venue or I write a fanzine. That's the person I'd employ. Um, it, it's it's slightly unfair because you know you got to earn everyone's got to earn a living, and you can no reason why you shouldn't work in Tesco's during the day and, and and be into music at night. But I'd always opt for the person that was prepared to live the dream if you like and and and, and do it and, and then um you know experience is everything but then also you know so is so is youth you know and you know, kind of you know, youth is wasted on the young you know it's it's kind of like it's 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 so important to have the two uh, and you know i i can look back on my career and and go yeah i was i was young once i was new and fresh to this but i'd be stupid if i thought that i still was now um, so I have to surround myself with younger people, you know, uh, it's, it's otherwise I become stale, you know, no one's going to take me seriously in this industry. Um, doesn't mean to say I can't work with older artists because I do and I can, and that's fine. Um, but if I, if I want to be taken seriously still, you know, you have to play the game and, and I can't, you know, if I turned up to, um, a, a gig you know to see a new act playing at the trendiest venue in london to 100 people then i turned up dressed like a geography teacher you know i'm not going to be taken seriously by that if i'm trying to impress that act to, to want them to work with me or sign with me I, i'm going to look you know they, they just won't take me seriously um would i would i get a job back in the music you know, would i get employed at, at 58 years old in the music industry probably not if i'm honest you know i don't i don't think a, a record company or a music publishing company now would would give me a job at the level that I was at when I when I left, you know, that in the industry, when I left being employed and decided to go back out on my own, um, I'd probably get a consultancy job um, if I had, you know, again, 
I think if the person, how do I put this? I think if the person running the company was of a similar age, I'd probably get a job. If the person running the company was 20 years younger than me, I probably wouldn't. Um, and that annoys me a little bit because I don't think the music industry actually puts enough value on experience. Um, I think you do get a little bit written off, I think, when you get to a certain age. But then, you know, saying that, if I if I found uh, the next the next Dua Lipa, right, or, or the next Lewis Capaldi, um, and you know, through my team, were able to you know turn that artist into a global success, I'd probably win Artist Manager of the Year, you know, at the Music Week Awards, or you know, and I'd be standing up on stage, get an answer, and everybody would go, Tim, you're a genius, fantastic. Um, but that's not necessarily, I mean, it is for me because I've done, but it's more because of the artist. It just so happens that he's managed by someone who's 58 years old, but he could equally be managed by someone who's 28 years old. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question to answer because as I said, you don't, you don't see many people of, you know, of my age holding down big positions in the music industry. I mean, Lucy Granger, I said, who runs, Universal, he's a few years old, he's, he's probably 60. Um, Rob Stringer runs Sony uh, globally, he's probably my age. Um, who else is there? Uh, Warners is run by someone who's a bit younger than me, actually, Max. So, but there's very few at that level, you know, there's there's very few. Um, some of the some of the companies, companies like BMG, for example, German companies, they have very strict retirement policies. You know, you get to a certain age, you, you know, you're forced to retire. You know, um, whether you want to or not, they they try and keep keep things moving. By that person goes, the next person comes up, and they keep that thing moving. Doesn't matter how successful you are. Um, and again, I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It seems to work for some companies, others it doesn't. It's just the way it is. I think you know. Tim Smith, music industry executive. Thank you very much for joining the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, my thanks today to Tim Smith. Um, I hope you enjoyed that extended episode. Very interesting. I hope you enjoyed the various anecdotes and the insights. You can reach Tim through the episode notes and click on his LinkedIn profile. Um, have a good week. We'll see you next week. Just time for the credits for the music intro and the eye dance. Have a go, Eva Early One. This is an almost pro production for 23 Magic, copyright 2023. See you next week, Santiago Amigos.